Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to part two of our evaluation of hepatic tumors, a pattern approach. And I spoke to you about hemangiomas, a very nice peripheral enhancement, the filling in, the fact that giant hemangiomas over 5 cm are easier than sometimes the 1 cm, which have a ring enhancement. But what other lesions can we think of? I remember from when I started at Hopkins, sometimes we'd have a CT ultrasound conference, and ultrasound say there'd be a 5 centimeter mass, and CT would say, it was a normal study, and we say, okay, CT was right. I realized that the lesions we saw was something like this. Here's a very, very bright five centimeter vascular lesion, and here it is, a moment later, it's gone. Remember, in the old days, we weren't doing a whole lot of arterial phase because the scanners were too slow. So this lesion, which is called focal nodular hyperplasia, classically fills in very quickly. It's a very bright lesion, but not as bright as the aorta, like the malignancies are typically, but only as bright as the IVC. There's no underlying cirrhosis. Here's another one. And you can see how quickly it becomes isodense. They range in size from a centimeter to 10 centimeters or even more. Another very nice one here. Look how homogeneous the lesion is with a central scar. Now, the first paper I wrote was about FNH, that central scars were classic, and of course, I mentioned before, that central scars can be seen in FNH, can be seen in hepatic adenomas, can be seen in hemangiomas, can be seen in hepatomas, can be seen in cholangiocarcinomas. So it's classic of being in a tumor, but I can't tell you what it is. You look at the lesion and you look at it go from arterial to venous, you can see how quickly it becomes isodense. In this case, the vessels are stretched, but you can see the enhancement is essentially gone. Now, FNH is typically in women and most patients are asymptomatic and it has no malignant potential. It really is a leave alone lesion. This article by Bergio, second most common benign solid tumor after hemangiomas, male to female ratio was one to eight. Some authors have reported that FNH developing in men were smaller, more often atypical, but I will tell you it's rare for us to see them. In the article, Bergio goes on to say that it's often an incidental finding, and so you need to be careful to be able to distinguish FNH from hepatoma, hepatic adenoma, and even METS, because it's a benign leave-alone lesion. Now, sometimes you need MR to be certain, but usually we can make the diagnosis. Non-contrast, isoattenuating or hyperattenuating, usually iso, arterial phase hypervascular, can have a feeding vessel going right to the center. The vessel is, can be large, but sometimes is small. And venous phase becomes isodense quickly. So here's a good example, central scar, hypervascular. Here it is coronal. They often are multiple. You can see a second lesion next to the first. And here's another example, same type of appearance, hypervascular, central scar. It's just as bright as the IVC. And when you look carefully, you see that feeding vessel going right to the center, best defined on the MIP imaging, which is right here. Vascular central vessel MIP imaging. And when you follow it out, you can see the lesion becomes isodense, though sometimes the vessels are stretched. So you can see the vessels and you see the central scar. So if you look arterial to venous to delayed, you can see how rapidly the lesion becomes isodense. Now again, if you look hard, you can see it. I'm not saying it's totally gone, often it is, but you can see very few things, really nothing has that 
vascular homogeneous appearance looking identical to the patient's IVC. So those are the points, IVC enhancement, feeding vessels, central scar, and the lesion wash, washing out very quickly. I've seen unusual presentations of a med student like this, right lower quadrant mass, and you can see a big hepatic artery going centrally. This was a hepatic, hepatic lesion, which was focal nodular hyperplasia. Just a very nice example. I mentioned FNHs can be multiple, and you can see that here. FNHs also can be associated with hemangiomas. You can see hemangiomas and FNH in the same patient. But again, central lesion, central vessel. Now, occasionally where it's hotter is once in a while. Remember in the last lecture I showed you that hemangioma coming off the edge of the liver? This case I see a mass. This was sent in as a pancreatic tumor. It's somewhat vascular, but not that much. It's isodense. I did notice it was being fed by the hepatic artery. So I knew it was liver, but I wasn't sure what it was, to be honest. And this was FNH. People report this one article says 9% of pedunculated. I say 1% or less of pedunculated. That's the only pedunculated lesion I've ever seen. And that was resected. Now again, the challenge is a patient like this. What do you do with this patient? Is this a FNH? Well, you can see the liver is irregular. The liver is cirrhotic. When I see a cirrhotic lesion, I see a cirrhotic liver with a lesion, I'm always saying hepatoma until proven otherwise. This was hepatoma. Yes, it looks like the uh, IVC, and yes, in, a, in the right patient, it could be. I've used cinematic to try to define it better. You can see the cinematic, the very sharp margins. We're not to the point yet with texture mapping that I could distinguish the two, perhaps. But a good comment I made here is don't call a lesion benign in a cirrhotic liver unless you are really, really sure. To me here, the vascularity was a bit irregular. It bothered me. I had played around with it. See, that artery looks irregular. When you have FNH, you're going to have a big vessel or a small vessel, but it's always going to be smooth, not irregular. And the other thing was, when you look at this lesion, and still, okay, FNH, I think about it, but look how it fills in. You see the peripheral enhancement and the irregularity into the adjacent parenchyma. Every case I showed you of FNH, it became essentially isodense, and the only thing you may have seen near it was some compressed vessels. So, very good example. This is not going to be FNH. This was hepatoma. Now, hepatomas usually don't become isodense. They can occasionally, but it takes many minutes. And the perfusion changes are so classic that you're dealing with a malignancy. So, just good advice. Now, whenever I mention FNH, I talk about hepatic adenomas, in part because my article I originally wrote was FNH and hepatic adenomas. We've learned a lot about hepatic adenomas, and we continue to learn a lot about hepatic adenomas. The more common in women, age 41 or so, there's a strong relationship between oral contraceptive use and hepatic adenomas, usually greater than two years. And in men, when it occurs, it's related to anabolic androgen steroids, it can be seen also in glycogen storage disease type 2, tyrosinemia, steatohepatitis, and hemochromatosis. Most cases, but not all, are solitary. The multiple, the more common with glycogen storage disease. They range in size from a centimeter to 15 centimeters. Besides the fact that they may develop into hepatomas, and many people now assume they're precursor lesions, 
Most of them can also bleed, some more likely than others. There's a new classification coming along, but the problem with hepatic adenomas is spontaneous bleed. Because of that, the appearance is a bit more varied, particularly once a lesion has bled. Hypodense, isodense, or hyperdense if it bled. Moderate enhancement arterial can look a little bit like FNH, but it washes out, but it's different. It's not going to wash out the same like uh, FNH, so you got to remember. So here's a good example, vascular lesion. See how it's not as smooth on the axial? and it's not as bright and homogeneous as you would expect for FNH. And the vessels look a bit irregular. And you can see here these vessels are really worrisome in the lesion. And in fact, based on that vascularity, I could worry about hepatoma, and I did. The lesion washes out, but there you still see it on coronal views. You see maybe a central scar. I would worry about hepatoma. It was hepatic adenoma. Another patient, 40-year-old female, vascular lesion, not sharp margins. There it is, coronal, arterial vessel going right into it. I don't know, I worry about that lesion. And when I do some reconstructions, coronal and 3D, it's an enhancing lesion, but the borders are irregular. That's not FNH. That's not hemangioma. I worry about hepatoma. And same thing on the cinematic. I worry about this lesion. And this was biopsied and resected hepatic adenoma. This case, I see a mass with a pseudocapsule vascular. I'm thinking hepatoma. This was hepatic adenoma. But again, these lesions need to come out. Solitary hepatic adenomas will come out because of the risk of becoming a malignancy. Again, central scar is not uncommon. This could have bled, probably not, because it's so sharply demarcated, but it's a lesion to worry about. Another example, this case was recent, but was unusual to me. See that modeled enhancement left lobe of liver? I'll show it to you again in the coronal views. I'd have to worry about an infiltrating process like hepatoma. There's some funny vessels in there as I show it to you with MIP from different perspectives. And then when I look at it on delayed, it almost becomes isodense, but you can still see it going near the falciform ligament. Again, it's a little bit harder on coronal Cinematic, you can see the textural change. You see the mass, really good definition of the mass. What could this be? Could it be hepatoma? I can't say it's not. It's not FNH. It's not a classic hepatic adenoma. It's not hemangioma. This needs to be biopsied or removed. You can see it very nicely here. This was hepatic adenoma. Again, one would have to worry about malignancy, and this will be resected. Same thing here. Again, this may have bled into itself. There's low density around the rim, central areas of necrosis, neovascularity. I worry about this. My first call here is hepatoma. This was hepatic adenoma. Now, I mentioned before hepatic adenomas can bleed. This patient had right up a quadrant pain. They thought it was gallbladder disease. And you can see the lesion very nicely shown. And the fact is there's blood there. What bleeds? Hepatomas, hemangiomas, something biopsy, trauma. But you can see the lesion, you can see the blood going subcapsular, very nicely shown. Now, sometimes you have multiple hepatic adenomas, but one has bled. Here's a patient with left upper quadrant pain. The patient had a large bleed from hepatic adenoma left lobe of liver. But you can see the multiple other lesions, which were all hepatic adenomas. Now, it's important to remember 
that hepatic adenomas can be multiple. And then it's kind of tricky. What do you resect since you worry about malignancy? Well, hepatic adenomas are one of the conditions where people will get liver transplants. So just a very nice example of increased vascularity of the lesion, the bleed, the appearance. And when you look hard, there are multiple small lesions. This patient is not going to be resected. This patient eventually did have a transplant. But you can see it's very challenging. Again, statistically, in that case or in this case, if I see a bleed, I always like to say a lesion that bleeds is hepatic adenoma until proven otherwise. But I'll show you a chart that hepatomas can bleed. There's no doubt about it. You see the neovascularity here. You see it here as well. Again, hepatomas in the ballpark. But again, we say that hepatic adenomas can become hepatomas. As a spectrum of disease, this patient would need resection. You can see the area of hemorrhage on the venous phase imaging. There was a recent article by Thomas making the point that a number of conditions can lead to bleeding within the liver. Uh, again, obviously trauma is one of the things that can lead to bleeding, but that's going to be the thing that we think about the, the, the least in the sense that there's history that usually comes with it. Things we think about, I put hepatic adenoma at the top of the list, but hepatoma can do it. Angiosarcoma, which we never see. Metastasis, typically vascular meds. Carinous hemangioma, usually due to a biopsy. I don't see it. Hepatic cysts. Cysts can rupture when they're very large, but I've never seen one bleed. And of course, trauma is indeed the easiest thing. Thomas makes the point, the cause of hemorrhage in hepatomas is likely multifactorial and not completely understood. Rupture may be facilitated by tumor angiogenesis, which increases as it mutates from a cirrhotic nodule to a dysplastic nodule to hepatoma. But again, hepatoma, you've got to be thinking about that. Key features that predispose a tumor to rupture include location and size. The highest risk tumors are large and in the periphery. With hepatic adenomas, I've seen rupture and I've seen bleeding both tumors at the periphery and centrally located. So I think with hepatic adenomas, probably it's not a big factor. Now, talking about bleeds, look at this case. There's a cystic lesion, but look at the neovascularity in the liver. I'll show it to you a little bit better. Look at that neovascularity. Look at the MIP. Wow, look at all those, it looks almost like an AV malformation of the liver. Look at all of the vessels and the puddling this was, and you can think, I might think about hepatic angiosarcoma with the vascularity. This was neovascularity in a hepatoma. And you can imagine why something that vascular could bleed. Or in this example, look at that large mass in a cirrhotic liver, ascites, neovascularity, invasion of the portal vein. But you can see blood around the liver. And as you go to the venous phase, the clot in the portal vein, as you go to MIP imaging, the neovascularity, the blood around the tumor, which you see again here on the venous phase. So you recognize that vascular lesions, particularly exophytic lesions, can easily bleed. And it's not just because of trauma, it's just they spontaneously rupture the liver surface. And here it is nicely shown with cinematic. We see the masses, you see the blood around the liver, and here you see it again. Now I mentioned hepatic adenoma versus hepatoma. So I'll, I'll show you one more example. Big mass, 
liver's not cirrhotic, but still, I'm calling this hepatoma. Look at the neovascularity, the irregular vascularity. This was hepatic adenoma. So again, you're not going to be perfect separating the two, and it probably isn't that important because they're going to be resected, so you need to think about it. Again, this case washes out very much like the other, and the way the liver looks, the remodeling of the liver is somewhat classic. So again, hepatic adenomas, hepatomas, new classification, I'll share with you a different time, but um, it's hard to separate the two, but they're treated the same way, they're both going to be resected. Hepatic adenomas sometimes seem to have really good capsules, and it's mainly a pseudocapsule, compressed liver tissue. Look at the neovascularity of that lesion. That's not the neovascularity of FNH or even hepatic adenoma. That's, that's going to be hepatoma. Every once in a while, metastasis from vascular tumors like renal cell or neuroendocrine tumors can be very vascular, but this is just a beautiful example of hepatoma. And just to show it to you, look at that pseudocapsule. Look how nicely in arterial phase it shows on the cinematic rendering. And look how nicely it shows with the washout and pseudocapsule. Now, I mentioned before and showed you examples that when I see cirrhosis, I'm always thinking hepatoma. Remember I said that hemangiomas you don't see within cirrhotic livers because they collapse because hemangiomas are really blood sacs. Well, here in the right lobe, there's a mass present, which is better shown on the MIP imaging. It's a cirrhotic liver. What are you going to think? Hepatic adenoma, FNH, hemangioma? No. Hepatoma will proven otherwise. Occasionally, you might have METS, metastatic neuroendocrine tumor. Cirrhotic lesion, that's your only finding. That's going to be hepatoma. And here is another patient with cirrhosis, varices, thrombus in the portal vein. So again, these are all the things you need to worry about. The last thing let me speak about would be hepatic abscesses. Now, the range of abscesses, I mentioned, you know, certain parts of the world, amoebic abscesses, parasitic abscesses, like hydatid cyst. Abscesses can be tricky because it's one thing if you have a post-op patient who has fever, that's easy. Patient with diverticulitis and fever, that's easy. Patient with an AVR and something in the liver, that's easy. But this case was a patient who was found down. Cystic lesion septations, patient had lost weight, had all the signs of having a malignancy. This was biopsy, this was an E. coli abscess. And so abscesses can look very much like tumors. Classic things spread from other organs, cholangitis, that's easy. E. coli is the most common agent. You can see the trick. Sometimes the lesions present like acute cholecystitis, right upper quadrant pain, sometimes weight loss, and elevated LFTs. Sometimes, again, that could look like a tumor. Sure, look at this lesion here. Looks a little bit like that hepatoma I showed you a few moments ago. There's a little bit of air in the biliary tree, but look at that irregularity of the liver. You can see, look at that appearance, all right? I worry about tumor. Could this be inflammatory disease? I guess. Look how ugly it looks on the excretory phase, the late phase imaging. A regular pseudocapsule, a regular vascularity. I got to be thinking tumor. This was an abscess. Or this patient who was really a febrile. There's a mass. This patient had surgery a while back, but look at that mass. Could that be hepatoma? The answer is yes. Could that be metastasis? The answer is yes but it was an abscess E. coli. So I do want to make the point that in atypical histories, you've got to always be thinking about abscess. 
I know when it has an air fluid level, it's easy at abscess, but that occurs less than 20% of cases. So it's really finding and thinking about these lesions as part of your differential diagnosis. This could be an amoebic abscess very easily with E. coli. Very nice example showing you that on the cinematic rendering. Now what about this case? This patient's post-liver transplant. Patient had originally hepatoma. You know, it could be a hepatoma recurrence. We surely could think about it, but a lot of perfusion changes and the patient uh, was febrile now. That was an abscess. Look at, look at the details. Very nicely shown, perfusion changes, abscess. So pyogenic abscesses, single or multiple in number, may involve a small portion or a large portion of the liver or be diffuse. Rim enhancement is not uncommon and septations can contain gas in less than 20% of cases. Now certain lesions have some very specific appearance. This lesion at first glance looks like the other one, low density, but there's some clover leaf configuration, whatever that means, which you can see here as well, pseudocapsule. Maybe it's tumor, maybe it's abscess, I don't know. But look at the cluster sign. The cluster sign is seen on the excretory phase imaging, and that's very good for amoebic abscesses. So again, Specific findings can be very suggestive. We talk about right lobe, posterior, being where you would see hydatid disease, but 75% of them have calcifications. Then you have amoebic abscesses, so it's things you need to think about. And there are many more things I could speak about, but we don't have time, so let me leave it like this. Lesion detection alone is not enough. Creating a long differential could be this, could be that, could be this, could be that, could be this, is not enough. Creating a decisive diagnosis is the key. And you're not always perfectly sure, but giving a reasonable differential and why you think that is indeed uncommon. So also concluding, optimal evaluation of the liver requires protocols. We spoke about them briefly. Understanding the role of 64 slice or better in image processing and understanding the various signatures of the CT tumors. And again, the more you look, the better you do. The more you look, the more, the more experience you have, the easier it is. Great Mark Twain quote, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Okay? Remember that's everyone chuckle because I think Mark Twain was expecting a, a little not a lot, but if you want to get a lot, you really got to put the time in. So with that, have a great day and see you at the next lecture. Bye. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctisus.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.